Hello and thank you for listening to Talking Shop, Insurance Innovators, brought to you by Market Force. In the build-up to our industry-leading event, The Future of General Insurance, we will be releasing the very best presentations from last year's conference, so you can get a taste for what to expect from the insurance event of the year. This episode features Henry Lane Fox, co-founder of LastMinute.com and Founders Factory, presenting the keynote address, Digital Disruption and the Art of Innovation. Great, thanks very much. Lovely to be here. Hope you've all had a good morning so far. So I get the wonderful title, Digital Disruption and the Art of Innovation. Uh, I'm not going to sit here, actually, and talk too much around disruption. I have to say it's a term I absolutely loathe. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit around innovation, the art of the possible, and perhaps some different ways to think around financial services and the insurance industry at large. But before I do that, I'm just going to give a little bit of background on me and what I do. So I've spent 20 years, really, I guess, uh, in digital, really working on all kinds of new technology propositions. Uh, I never had a job. I didn't really want to go and do that. So I've been fortunate. I've always been in a situation where I've uh, kind of decided my own career. Um, Started back in the 90s uh, when e-commerce was really just beginning to take off. I was very fortunate to be part of the founding team at lastminute.com, which was one of Europe's very early e-commerce successes. Uh, We were tackling an industry at the time that a lot of people told us was an impossibility. The idea that people could buy travel, holidays, book airline tickets, hotels, theatre tickets, all online, magically happening without any interaction from uh, agents. And Surprisingly enough, it proved possible. It doesn't seem very surprising now, looking back on it, but at the time, there were a lot of people telling us this was an industry that would never be able to change. And I think subsequent to that, I've been on a number of other journeys in digital. I've tried stuff uh, in manufacturing, building business-to-business manufacturing platforms. Um, I've got involved in publishing. I had some unsuccessful experiments along the way, but it gave me an opportunity to look across a lot of different industries. And most recently, I went back and started working with Brent Hoberman, uh, who was co-founder at lastminute.com. We really have been tackling this issue around corporate innovation on a multi-sector basis. So for the last three years, I've been lucky to be advising CEOs and boards uh, at some pretty big organizations uh, across sectors, so the likes of Visa through to Fannie Mae, uh, from Diageo through to Unilever, the Daily Mail Group through to Endemol Shine. Um, And I think there are some similarities between uh, all of the issues I see at a high level within large corporates, helping them become more nimble and agile. So I'm not big on slides, but I'm just going to throw three quotes up there that I I like, that I think uh, give people an interesting perspective on life at the moment and digital. The first one's from Mark Zuckerberg. It's a pretty obvious quote. Lots of you probably heard it already. But the biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that's changing really quickly, the only strategy guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Now, this is a really important one, I think, particularly from the financial services industry, because there has been a feeling that risk is at the heart of everybody's business models. Pricing risk correctly is where you guys make a profit. And yet, when you look at newcomers coming into the market... There is this tension between people who are accustomed to dealing very carefully with risk in traditional industries and newcomers who, by very virtue of the fact that they're creating something different, have to be prepared to go out there and take risks in a way that uh, is unusual for a large corporate. If you look at a startup, a startup is a pretty simple entity, actually. Um, It's got one sole point of focus. 
Its aim is to find a profitable, repeatable business model before it runs out of money. And it's that simple. People come together, small groups of people in a room with a massive idea, an idea of how they might change an industry, often an industry they don't know very much about. And it's that naivety, often, that lets them try different things. And it's that lack of a fear of failure, the open promise that actually this could be a six-month journey and a team of four people might not make it. And actually, that's okay. The point is, it's around speed, it's around iteration, and it's ability to take risk at scale. The second quote I've pulled out is from one of the best-known VCs in the world, Andreessen Horowitz, Ben Evans, who co-founded that, and a key premise for the next decade. It's easier for software to enter other industries than for other industries to hire software people. And I urge you all to think about this for your own businesses. It is probably the single greatest reason why change is coming and why you're ill-prepared to deal with it. In very simple terms, you can't hire the people who go to work at Google. You can't hire the people who go to work at the ambitious young businesses that are coming up across insurtech, across financial services at large. There's a skills gap. There's people sitting within your organization who've been there for decades. They've worked their way up from very junior positions into middle management and then into senior management. And when we look at them from a digital perspective, they're just disconnected to the rest of the world. They don't have the foundations in technology to understand what change looks like, what good looks like, and how to innovate. And the third quote I'm putting up here is from Baidu. Baidu is one of the biggest Chinese um, huge search engine over there, very successful digital business. And I put it up there very specifically for a reason. We launch products because we want to acquire certain data assets, not for the revenue. This is a new type of corporate strategy. And it's very important to understand this one because it's very hard within a big business to sit back and think, let's put profits aside. Let's not worry around the commercial model. Let's do one thing really well. Let's acquire more and more data around individuals to help us build better business models that generate better data that in turn deliver better insights to help us build better business models. And I cite this one very importantly for financial services. Whenever I go and talk at a bank or whenever I go and talk to an insurance company, this seems to me absolutely crucial because we're entering a new world. We hear on the panel, I just joined the end of it, several trends. The machine learning one for me is by far the most important trend that there is in the industry right now. Um, you guys all sit on data, huge realms of data, but it's static. It's not real time. Most of you don't have the ability to process it effectively and generate insights from it. And you're tied to this model where any innovation that you bring out in the market, broadly speaking, needs to be profitable. You need to show an ROI on your R&D spend. That's like, to me, that's crazy. That's absolute madness. That's not innovation. The actual aim around innovation should be very simple within financial services. Acquire data at scale. Use machine learning and AI to generate insights from that data. Catch yourself in this virtuous circle where better data enables better products and services that collect more data that become a barrier to others to enter your market quickly. So if you look at these three things, 
I'd urge you all to think about them. It's about risk-taking innovation. It's about not fearing if something goes wrong. Lots of people come to us and say, hey, the wonderful thing about startups is they go out there and they don't have any fear of failure, so when they fail, it's fine. That's not quite true. What's really important around a startup is that there isn't any fear of failure, but there's an ability to capture the learnings from what went wrong and reapply them time and again to making the next business more successful. It isn't actually okay to go out there and fail. I fund businesses sometimes. I absolutely hate it. Write someone a check, off they go, hear from them seven months later. Hey, I'm sorry, we made a mistake, we're shutting down. Well, that's no good, actually. That doesn't do anything at all. The valuable part is can you capture the learnings out of those failures and recycle them back in your organization? And at the same time, this issue around people. How are you going to acquire the best people? And if you can't acquire the best people, how can you come up with a different model to be able to work with them? And then this third point around data. Put aside the profitability. In the end, scale of data is what will prove to be the winner in this industry. Applying machine learning and AI will generate benefits. Not next year, like the panel says. I can give you numerous examples of it happening right now. And the other point around this, and more generally for insurance, I think, as a, as a market and financial services as a whole, is this feeling that regulation can be some kind of crutch on which you can rest, and that somehow it will provide you with this protectable, defensible market. I don't believe in that. I don't know any VC who believes in that. I don't know any startup who worries around regulation overly. They probably do when they talk to you a little bit, but that's pandering to you. They don't care. Regulation changes. The only most important thing is to give the end customer what they want. In the end, regulation is there in important circumstances to protect economies as a whole, but it shouldn't be there to protect incumbents within an industry. So there's a quick cartoon here. Uh, it's a bit of a cheap joke, actually. But it has some important elements behind it. When I go in and I talk to a lot of corporates, there are lots of problems that exist within them. But fundamental to everyone I see is that unless the CEO at the top of that business really buys in to change, it won't happen. And it's not a question of incremental change, trying to make something marginally better than has existed to date. It's a question of trying to make things 10 times better. It's a question of trying to capture the art of the impossible and to test with totally different business models, products, and services to drive benefit. That doesn't involve keeping things the same as they have been. That involves being a bit braver than this. It's an understanding that your business is going to change. The people in your business are going to change. You can try to reskill and retrain individuals, but largely it doesn't work. Most of the advice we give to people in very large businesses who really are serious about digital transformation is that first off, you need to set a vision, a vision that's credible, that's set by the CEO and the board as to what your business may be able to become in the future. And the second point behind that is then to provide the right support to individuals across your organization to help retrain them to understand technology and digital. But while you do that, to understand that two-thirds of the individuals aren't going to make the journey. They're going to go. 
they won't be good enough. You will have to replace them. And when we look further down the line in these industries, most of these jobs have an ability to be automated. I wake up every single morning and I ask myself the same question within all the businesses I've set up and the ones I run now. How do I turn any function I see into a piece of software? I challenge myself daily. How can I make myself into a piece of software? That's a different way to think. I wish more people did it on the large corporate side, but they won't. One of the ways you can reflect and look on this most easily is to look at the nature of corporate boards. If you took all the PLCs in the UK and you added up the number of people who we would consider technology-first individuals sitting on those boards, you have a handful, literally a handful. I know it. I see it up front. My sister gets wrong every week. To go on another board, Brent sits on lots of boards. There aren't enough businesses thinking differently about taking young talent who understand emerging technologies and putting them in very senior positions within a business. Whether that's mentoring a CEO or whether that's on the non-exec board or a specific advisory boards. And this is problematic for people trying to drive change. If you don't have role models within an organization who people can aspire to be like, you have yourselves a really big problem. So we've been thinking about this a lot, and we've built a new model. We spent ages thinking around what the right way would be to try to help traditional corporates actually benefit from digital and technology. So in the middle of the last year, Brent and I got together, and we launched something called Founders Factory. Now, the very simple premise behind Founders Factory was that if you can take the great things that exist in traditional corporates, audience scale, market insight, international reach, understanding of local markets, and you can couple that with very, very ambitious technology entrepreneurs and very experienced operating team who are digital first, what could you build? So we went out and we spoke to corporates in lots of different sectors, and we tried to find some forward-thinking corporates. Within the financial services world, that's not so easy to do. There's a lot of people who treat digital as window dressing. There are a lot of people who believe, yes, there's a change coming, but we're two years away from it. So let's not worry about it overly now. Let's just put a little bit of our budget aside and test some different models. And we'll do some press releases, and if stuff doesn't work, so be it. In the end, we're a regulated industry, and we'll be here in 10 years' time. And it's that dangerous sense of entitlement that we wanted to change. So we're pleased we've managed to bring together some really big businesses. L'Oreal, the world's largest cosmetics group. Guardian Media Group, one of the biggest free news publishers in the world. Aviva, someone from your own industry. Actually a progressive business trying to change. EasyJet, one of the great innovators from the world of travel. Holtzbrink Macmillan, one of the largest education players on the planet. And the logos you probably can't read, China's largest private equity fund, CSC massive manufacturing conglomerate in China. And we brought all these businesses together for a very simple reason. We actually believe that creating new business models that are sustainable in the future are best done together. When you think about insurance, as we heard on the last panel, there is a difficulty with insurance. 
you're not going to own the end customer in the way that you have to date. What you need to be doing, I think, is trying to build new businesses that can capture that customer and that insurance can be a part of the products and services you offer to them. And we think the best way to do that is with different corporates supporting each other. Layered on top with an incredibly experienced operating team. So what are we trying to do? Last slide, I'll talk after this. We're going to build and scale 200 technology businesses in the next five years. And we've already started. We raised a lot of capital, about 50 million, so we know we're going to be here for quite a long time. We've got a team of 60 full-time digital specialists, entrepreneurs who've built very successful businesses, who want to help create the next generation of industry-defining products. And to do that, we're trying to work really closely with our investors. We're trying to get past this dilemma that corporates face as to how you partner with an early-stage business and how you build new businesses that compete with your own. It's very hard to do that internally. It's probably the single hardest thing there is, actually. So we came up with a different model. We'll sit in the middle. We'll sit in the middle between a great range of really big audience-scale corporates and very ambitious young entrepreneurs. And we'll attract the best global talent we can find to come and work with us here, very closely with our corporate partners and very closely with our operating team, to try and deliver an enormous amount of new value to customers, always wearing our customer hat first and thinking to ourselves, when it comes to things like insurance, why do we still consider things like life insurance that important? The way it's sold at the moment, very few people buy it, frankly. Um, very few people really understand the value of it. Why is that? Why is it the case that within the insurance industry at the moment, I have to be asked 350 questions before you'll give me a price? Why is it that there's more paper flowing around in the insurance industry than almost any other industry I've ever seen? And it's not an industry I know well. You do. All of these questions can be solved to some degree by creating a different range of products for consumers, talking to consumers in the methods they want to communicate with you, operating across different channels, operating nimbly, trying to create projects with a very, very limited budget, with no sense of entitlement, no feeling that they have to succeed, and trying to marry people who have genuine technology and digital skill sets back to our corporate investors. Because we do believe that the marriage of this very deep market understanding that exists within your organizations and very early stage ambitious individuals can produce some magic. And we're seeing interesting results at the moment, even at an early stage. Lots of businesses up here, none of them you'll have heard of yet. Skills Academy new training platform helping struggling school students find better tuition, identifying pain points that exist for students in school, understanding where they're struggling within individual subjects, and marrying them up with subject matter experts out of school to try and train them to get them back up to scale. Things like Flourish. Flourish is a new data visualization platform. It's taking really static data and helping it come to life generate insights from it, and let people tell stories with that data. Fitwell, 
a business we're working closely with, with Aviva, a business that's already collected a billion different data points from a million consumers around health and fitness and nutrition. How can you take that data and use it to better price insurance risk? Hello Car. You haven't heard about it yet. It's a simple premise. Goodbye dealers. Hello Car. We want to build a new e-commerce platform for cars. It's going to launch in January next year. And we know motor insurance is a hard sell, and it's becoming increasingly commoditized and awkward. So why not build the marketplace where you have all the demand, where you control the consumer, where you can then insert insurance as part of the product? It's not two or three years away. We're doing it now. PeopleIO, a very interesting young business that's trying to build a new bank based on people's personal data letting people take control of their data and license it to brands on an ad hoc basis and generate financial reward for themselves. It's inverting the way data moves across the web at the moment. All of these businesses, they're not UK businesses. People come to us from Turkey, from Pakistan, from Finland, some from the UK, some from America, but they all come here. They come to London because there's a great set of digital skills and there are some wonderful corporates who are progressive enough to think around building truly differentiated international businesses. Some of the stuff we're looking at in insurance is interesting and it was fascinating to me to hear the end of the last panel as to where people think what technologies will affect the insurance industry at large. Uh, so we're keen on blockchain, we like distributed ledgers. Rather than talking about it, we're actually putting it into practice at the moment. So we're running three different pilots at the moment, looking at life insurance, looking at um, property sales, uh, and looking at the claims process of how you can automate a lot of the procedure around current insurance models on the blockchain. We started off in a very niche area of interest weight swaps uh, and built a product there. We're broadening it out. It's a great business called Luther Systems working very closely with Aviva. Incredibly ambitious Stanford graduates, very, very skilled technically, who are taking all the processes that exist across an insurer at the moment and trying to get to the promise of blockchain, which is to have central, transparent data sources that can enable a shift away from too much paper. What can you actually automate in terms of transactions, in terms of verification, in terms of documentation, and how can you use the blockchain to, to enable that? It is an exciting technology, but it isn't a year away. And if you're not working on it at the moment, you're falling behind. We're also doing a lot, a lot within machine learning and AI, as you may imagine. We have a whole sector dedicated to nothing but machine learning and AI and how it affects pricing of risk. Also, how it affects better communication with customers whether it's using natural language processing, whether that comes on a voice interface, whether you want to build a chatbot, whatever you may be trying to do, fundamentally, AI can enable better automation and an increased personalization back to an individual customer or an individual business. And we're fortunate because we have some huge data sets. If you put all of my investors together, the data sets communally of all those businesses are incredibly powerful. So what happens when you begin to merge data from one business to another? What happens when I take Visa's transaction data and I take EasyJet's customer records? They've got 70 million here in the UK. And I take data from Aviva and I think, let's build a new type of insurance product for travel. Doing that together 
puts you in a very enviable situation. And deploying very advanced machine learning techniques can help move what is currently static data that's badly analyzed and badly used within your own organizations. Make it alive. Allow the consumer to get a personalized offering. Take away a lot of this horrible questioning that goes away up front. I'm not sure whether biometrics are quite the answer to that. I think there's more simple techniques, actually, with machine learning that may offer a better, better approach to give people the right products at the right moment in time. We're looking at building a care market because we actually think there's a huge problem, end-of-life services at the moment. So again, we're building a marketplace, confidentially at the moment, which will go live next year around helping uh, carers look after the elderly effectively. And there's a great insurance market within that. Owning that customer journey, owning the pain point of those individual consumers and giving them a better end to their life helps us sell more effective insurance products. So we think very broadly around technology. We always want to own the end customer. If you don't, you'll be killed. Regulation isn't going to protect you. Capital amounts, they're not going to protect you either. The data you sit on by itself probably isn't that interesting. Capture new data. Build better models for your consumers. And do it quickly. Don't fear to fail. You can't get the talent that works in these businesses to work in your business. So don't try to. Invest in those businesses. Sometimes try to acquire those businesses. More often than not, partner with them. We're moving into a world where corporate partnerships matter, not just with startups, but with other corporates. And that's a different way to think. It's a different way to think at the board level, and it matters for survival. Disruption is a horrible term, but I like change and opportunity. And in the insurance market, things are beginning to change. And the lesson from every other industry within digital is that people underestimate the impact of change. And they sometimes overestimate the speed of that change. But change has started. And when it comes, it's going to change everything. Every single function within your business will look different to the future. Every different product, business model, channel to market, they all will be different to what they are today. And everybody will underestimate the scale of that change. It happened within the media industry. It happened within the travel industry. It will happen within the financial services industry. Unless you challenge your leadership teams to think differently now, you do risk becoming dinosaurs. Disintermediation will happen, particularly within the insurance market. It's absolutely crazy to an outsider to draw a map of the insurance market and understand what products are sold by who, where, when. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm just a customer. I want something very, very simple. I want it now. And there's a whole new range of products coming. You talk about cyber insurance. Cyber insurance is an interesting market. It's growing very quickly, actually. And I agree with the comments on the previous panel that there's going to be a huge opportunity for personal cyber insurance. We're already working with a team spun out from the Israeli military on this at the moment. And I think there's a massive market there. But how are you going to understand how to price cyber risk? That is not something you know how to do. 
So you need to find better ways to work with startups. You need to find better ways to move as an industry, to think constantly around automation and who owns that customer journey and what your role to play in it is in the future. And at the same time, you need to retrain your staff. You need to do it quickly and you need to understand most of the people working in your organization will not make the journey. You can worry about your profit margins, but that's the wrong thing to worry about. I don't worry about that. If I want to start a new business in insurance, I just want to create something that can scale and be profitable. That can operate on a very thin margin. Well, that's bad luck to you guys. Got nice fat margins at the moment. You won't have in the future. And the other point around it is I can build a global business very, very quickly now, which you struggle with. So don't worry around margin impact. Don't worry around profitability. Just think around data and how you give the best products and services now to the customers facing you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Shop, Insurance Innovators. Be sure to click the link in the episode description to see the programme for this year's Future of General Insurance. Follow us on Twitter at at insurance underscore enough and like our Facebook page, Insurance Innovators.